0: You're listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockles and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 35 of the Tool Station Western League podcast. My name is Ian Knockles and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the editor of the Western League Bulletin. It is Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hi, Ian. Yeah, I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing very well. I had a beautiful day. On Saturday at Devizes, um, what a glorious, you know, what glorious sunshine we've been having! Mm. Uh, it was, you know, it was absolutely lovely to be bathed in sunshine, and um, and watching Western League football. I can't think of I can't think of anything <laughs> better. What, what, what about What about yourself?
1: Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, as you say, it's been really nice recently, isn't it? I was down at the rack watching some some rugby as it happens on on Saturday, enjoying the weather as like yourself. So, yeah, long may it continue. Absolutely, absolutely. I think actually we are head, heading in
0: for sort of blizzards and... Well, yeah, Try trying not to look ahead. <laughs> yeah, no quite. <clears throat> I certainly hope it's not raining on Saturday. That's going to ruin my... that's going to ruin Match Day Live too. But anyway, we'll be yeah. talking about that later in the podcast. Uh, on this week's episode, we hear from our fixture secretary, Mr George McCaffrey. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about matters of promotion and relegation. And we've got two new interviewees on this week's episode... Katie Andrews from Street. She's the co-chair of Street Football Club, and Will Osborne, the manager of Bristol Telephones. We've not heard from Katie or Will before, um, so um, we're really looking forward um, to uh, to featuring them on on this week's episode. But before we get into the meet and drink. Of the podcast, we are going to play you the interview that we did um, with George McCaffrey. Of course, we've heard from George many times over the last couple of years, and actually, personally speaking, it's quite nice to speak to George about something to do with football rather than COVID, because of course he was our was our COVID officer. Um, fixtures this season have been um, have been causing George something of a headache, and um, particularly in his efforts to try and avoid some very long range uh, midweek fixtures. Unfortunately, the inevitable has has indeed happened. So we've got. We have got a few of those going on. Um, But really, I think the one question that um, all the fans are really interested in hearing from at the end of March, you know, going into April, the last month of the season is how is promotion and relegation going to work? So I started off by asking George to explain how promotion is going to work from the Premier Division. When I do mention teams,
2: it will be in accordance with their current position in the league table so it's for indicative purposes absolutely so, so currently in first position we have tavistock so they would get automatic promotion to the southern league division 1 south and uh, i was going to say to join plymouth parkway but there's every possibility that plymouth parkway are involved in the playoffs and uh, They will be moving up as well. So uh, good luck to them. Um, So Tavistock currently would be promoted. And Exmouth would then take part in a playoff match. And that playoff match is based on the fact that um, they they would play a team from the Southern League Division 1 South. So... We're looking at either Mangotsfield or Cinderford there currently. Um, And again, a lot of this, you can hear the hesitation in my voice purely because the Southern League, Division 1 South, and our Premier Division are both operating with 19 teams. Now, the FA have informed us that we will return to 20 teams uh, during the summer. But what they haven't done is told us how they're going to achieve that. So, will it affect the playoff situations? We don't know. So, we've just got to wait and see. So, everything that we're discussing here is on the precept that um, we will uh, go with the normal protocols. Um, Any movement after that um, would be a bonus. Um, So, that would be Tavistock. And automatic and Exmouth in the playoff situation, potentially against
0: Mangotsfield or Cinderford. Is there a scenario in which a um, um, points per game calculation could come into play, which would mean that perhaps the team in second place in our Premier Division wouldn't necessarily need to compete uh, in the playoff, or is that a fait accompli? No, it, it, it's in there because of the numbers,
2: um, because we've got. Um, eight uh, step four divisions and then we've got the 16 step five d- divisions beneath there and they want 32. But again, it's, I believe it's to do that'll come in if we have to balance out the number of teams and, and I'm sorry for the confusion, but that that's where
0: we are at the moment. Um, so, uh, if we look at the at the other end of the table, and, and, and I, I'm minded of the answer that you gave a few moments ago on the number of teams, of course, 19 in our Premier Division, but what do we know about relegation from our, our Premier Division?
2: Well, the current criteria is the bottom two clubs uh, should be relegated. So that would be Bridport and Ashton and Backwell currently. Um, so that's what we've got to plan for. And we will see what happens there. Um, Obviously, Bridport have had a very tough season and we have to give them credit for carrying on and they've done so well um, in achieving what they have with the restrictions they've had placed upon them. So, uh, you know, we wish them well for the future and hopefully we'll see them back in the Premier Division next season, you know, the season after so they can bounce back up. Um, But again, we've just got to wait and see what the FA do about that, but currently Ashton and Backwell and Bridport would be relegated. And do we have a feel for for whether they would be relegated to our first division or whether they could potentially go elsewhere? That's one thing that we again uh, we don't know because the the clubs go into a pool and then get allocated to the most geographically based. So it depends on what the FA's requirement is for how clubs get moved into divisions. So yes. Is there a possibility that Bridport could come to our Div 1? Yes, but they could also go into uh, Southwest Peninsula East. And the same with Ashton and Backwell. They could come to us. Uh, you would like to think they'll go into Div 1, but this,
0: they could also move into the Lenny. We don't know. So if we then look at the First Division, um, what's the situation with promotion um, from the First Division?
2: Um It's slightly different, as we're all aware, in that because this is where the pyramid breaks up in that we have 17 divisions because they split the Southwest Peninsula a few years ago. And so the special dispensation, what they do is they say um, that the champions of the Peninsula East and Peninsula West will be promoted to our Premier Division. So currently... That would be Falmouth from the West and Oakhampton from the East, although obviously Torpoint and knocking on the door with games in hand. But as they say, points on the board, please. Mm. So uh, currently it's Oakhampton. So those two clubs, or the two champions, would be automatically promoted. Um, No other clubs are considered for a playoff situation. That leaves um, 15 Um, places because the champions of the other 15 uh, divisions get automatic promotion so for us that would be Sherborne so we now have 17 clubs for promotion and we need 15 more and how do they get them? They get them through the playoffs and so if you look at our division 1, the playoffs currently you would have second playing fifth So that would be Welton hosting Radstock. Oh, Coalfield Classico. Absolutely. And not too far away is Warminster versus Wincanton. So two local derbies there, really, that uh, are going to uh, create a lot of interest if that's how the season finishes. And the aim would be that they would be played on the Tuesday, Wednesday, first week of May And then the winner of those two games would then play the final playoff on Saturday, the 7th of May. The home team being the one, the most senior club. So if Wincanton win their game, it's them. If Radstock win, it'll be them.
0: Right. And does that also mean that, the because the, you mentioned the, the, that Welton would play Radstock at the moment mm-hmm. as things stand, that yeah. means that the game will be played at Welton Rovers. At
2: Welton yeah, Rovers, yeah. yes. And it is. Um, it goes in depth in, say, oh, points per game and all of that. But when you look at the points per game, um, you know, for the clubs, um, Sherbourne is 2.4, Welton 2.2, Warminster 2.1, Wincanton 2.1. Radstock, 1.7. So their league tables are reflective yeah. of the points per game table. So we wouldn't see any anomalies there currently,
0: but we still have a few games to go yet. So um, we're now going to look at the other end of the table. I have to declare an interest in this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, what do we know about relegation from the first division?
2: Well, again, the, the regulations state that um, the three bottom clubs And the important word here is liable or liable to be relegated. And so we're looking currently at devises, Bishops' Lydiard and then Bristol Telephones. And again, you look at points per game and they're in the same position on points per game anyway. So there's no change. Um, And again, it's dependent on clubs being available to come up. Um, from the feeder leagues and we do have some that have applied but again that's all with the FA and we have to wait and see um, I know uh, John Poole our chairman and Alan Scuse are great enough, so have been working with quite a few clubs and the Western League are very very keen to support clubs given that as much information and support as they need to actually achieve their aims now, whether that's to come into the Western League or even to get promoted out of the Western League, it doesn't matter. We want to help them improve their facilities and improve football at, at their local team, you know. So um so we're looking at those three potentially being relegated, but again, we also have the situation where because we're balancing out back to twenty with our first division at twenty one. Um, we don't know how they're going to do it. So I, there's no prediction there
0: at all. I mean, I know one of the... I appreciate you haven't got a crystal ball, George. I think that's a very important point to make. But um, um, I know for, for people who've been following Western League football for a long time, obviously we haven't traditionally had been in a position where we've needed to relegate teams out of the first division. Mm. Um, but it feels to me that you know forget covid we are in a slightly different situation than we have been for a while that 's the way it feels to me um because not only do we have twenty one teams in our first division, we also have this sort of continuation of the restructuring um, yeah. uh, process going on so what we're, you know so part of what we 've talked about so far in this interview is not just teams being elevated and relegated within the Western League. We're actually talking about the potential for teams to be moved into other leagues as well. So with that in mind, with 21 teams in the first division, do you think that it is likely that at least some clubs, or possibly even only a club, but do you think it's likely that we will see relegation this season?
2: I think it is likely because um, with all those other factors taken into consideration, but it's the fact that you've got credible clubs sat there in their feeder leagues waiting and wanting uh, promotion to our Div 1. So, um, yeah, I think that m- more than any other season, this season, I think we're likely to lose clubs, unfortunately. But we would want to see them come back. You know, it's... Um, and then, there are, of course, there are other criterias. As I said, we work with clubs and, and, and supporting them. But the biggest factor for uh, promotion is that have they got the appropriate grade, uh, the ground grade for their ground. If they don't, then they're not suitable for promotion. Um, and, and that's really down to the clubs working with the grading officer. And that support has been going on. And um, I'm aware now that the FA have got the final table. And so we would see what would happen there. Um one of the other factors is um, the lateral movement. You know, we have clubs um, in our Premier Division that have applied for lateral movement. Um, I, across the hellenic League, um, completely outside our uh, discussion opti- options and uh, nothing we can do about it, if that's the way that they wish to uh, take their team forward, that's their choice. But again, that's purely down to the FA and their decision-making process. Um, Obviously, we're aware of the teams that got laterally moved last season. Um, Not necessarily happy at that level. I mean, a couple of them are doing really well in promotion or uh, playoff positions, and we wish them well. Um, Others, you know, want to come back. um, But whether or not that's feasible, again, as you say, the restructuring, this was just the first step more's going to happen we've just got to wait and see what the fa come up with um trust me i'm continually doing reports to send up to the fa to say look this is happening this has happened we did warn you that this would happen it's you know um we had helston having to come up to cabri heath last tuesday and kainshem are going down to Mousel next tuesday it's not um particularly Uh, favourable but I've worked really hard this season in trying to ensure that all long distance travel was maintained on a Saturday but when we lost um, the games due to the bad weather uh, during the the three storm weekend um, I had nowhere to put them Um, we already have one club um, doing four games in one week We've got several clubs that are quite close. Um, Most, not most clubs, several clubs have three games a week until the end of the season now. So they're playing Saturday, midweek, Saturday for the rest of the season to get the games in. So that if if they lose any further games, then they have to go to a Thursday. I have no options. And uh, we tried our best and, you know, we, I think we've done reasonably well um, that there is an anomaly out there that people who are uh, into their fixtures will note is that we were told um, that we had to clear the 30th of April because that was the date of the playoff and we had a full program so we cleared it and moved all the games forward which again impacted severely on our available dates and um, But um, Brislington were one of those clubs. They've got to go down to Millbrook. Again, 128 mile round trip midweek. Um, And we've got dispensation from the FA so that they can play on Saturday the 30th purely because neither club is involved or impacting promotion or relegation. Um, And that's the only reason why their fixture is really outside the end of the season if you look at the twenty third as the final date.
0: I think there's a couple of important points we need to we need to make here because I think I'm I'm very pleased that you've 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 gone on to the the fixture list because I know that that, that it's something that, f- that gets fans exercised and it's certainly something that gets managers exercised and to be fair the volunteers that run the clubs the chairman the people who have to sort of stop yeah. the bar and make the you know and the tea yeah. hut I get that but I think that you know there's a couple of points to make the the business about the 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 last fixture that you mentioned in the season we we did not know about that did we when the season started
2: no no no.
0: so that meant that you had to you had to make that decision retrospectively yeah um the other point i was going to make was what what do you think would would have happened if when you issued the fixtures at the beginning of the season and said right there you go boys that's it get on with that Mm -hmm. And we'd lost fixtures, obviously, initially to COVID. We lost fixtures to the weather. Yeah. Where would we be now? Um,
2: We've been in a much happier position if we didn't have COVID, that's for sure. Um, I think the big thing is, um, this season, um, because of the mileage, one of the big things I did is I left the FA VARS early rounds uh, clear on a Saturday. And so um, what we were able to do was, if you weren't involved in the vars, we were able to pull games forward. So, and that's why some clubs have had a blank couple of weeks because uh, games got pulled forward, you know. And uh, and it's it's really imbalanced the whole program. But if if we'd been told to finish on the 23rd instead of 30th, all I would have done is had. Um, only three spare Saturdays for the VARs, for instance, you know, so we would have uh, lost that flexibility there. So, yeah, it it was difficult. Um, I was told by somebody, oh, we knew about this weeks ago. I go, yeah, great. Um, We were told by the FA a couple of weeks before that um, they were going to enforce the 23rd as the final date. We um, began work in the background trying to make sure that I could get the long distance ones in on a Saturday and uh, but again it was a typical FA you know that this is confidential and you can't talk about it until we tell you and then then they release the information a couple of weeks later so obviously somebody spoke about it but uh, it wasn't me because you know confidentiality to me is important as is honesty and so I always two factors in my life that are very important, you know, so um, so it is difficult um, and one of the big things is people say, oh well look at the Atlantic League, they're finishing virtually two, three weeks before you you go, yeah, but if you notice um, we played six midweeks at the start of the season and if you look at the situation for Mousel Helston they're midweeks with Tavistock Millbrook and Saltash. you know sort of 80 mile Mm -hmm. each way for a midweek game which is something that we don't certainly don't normally schedule we may uh, have to allocate towards the end but we certainly don't schedule those sort of distance but we had to to get six games in well the Hellenic League played 12 midweeks well where am I going to get 12 midweeks from to satisfy them? Because go beyond that. We're now traveling over a hundred miles midweek and you can't be doing that. That's not fair. Um, to schedule it. I'm, I'm aware that I have to do it when we've got postponements and I'll try my hardest to not have that. But because we're in a, a situation now where we've got to get the games in then we do have to schedule any postponements to midweek, and so that's why people go, oh, well, they finished early. Why aren't we? That's the big reason. We we just couldn't get any more
0: midweeks in. One final question for you, it, it, and and this is the opportunity for the listeners to get their diaries out and their and, and, yeah, yeah. and a pencil. Um, can we run through the dates? You did you have mentioned them during the interview, yeah, yeah. but if we start off, what is the date? Um, we believe that that will. Uh, when the step four, five playoff would take place. That's going to be Saturday,
2: the 30th of April. Right. So that was our final weekend of the season. um, And that's why it was cleared. Um, But uh, it's just a pity they didn't
0: tell us early doors, but hey-ho. And Um, I'm right in saying, aren't I, that actually that will be played at the step four ground. Yes, it will be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And what about our First Division playoffs? Right, our First Division playoffs, as we've
2: identified, it will be the 3rd or 4th of May, the Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on what the home club hosts. And then the final will be on Saturday the 7th. And then following on from that, Saturday the 14th will be the Les Phillips Cup final, which will be held at Wells City. And we would like to thank Wells for offering to uh, support the league and host... um, what hopefully will be uh, a very good game.
0: And my thanks to George for his time. Uh, now, moving on then, um, Tom, we will look at the fixtures on Saturday, the 26th of March. We're going to start in the Premier Division. We'll start at Brislington, where the where the visitors were Tavistock.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The aforementioned uh, uh, lovely weather we had on the weekend. Uh, plenty of games... And uh yeah, plenty of entertainment and no no yeah, no further than the first game. Tavistock obviously uh tense times for them and a couple of other sides at the top of the Prem and they they snuck to a one nil win. Um and uh yeah, it's well as I say, pretty tense. Vital goal coming early in the second half, and that was Warren door heading heading home, uh a set piece and uh yeah, they managed to to hold on. Big crowd down there. There's plenty of um Three-figure crowds in the, in the Prem on the weekend, and, and that was one of them. But it was the away side, Tavistock, who went home happy. Yeah, 1-0 winners at Brislington. Tavistock, they're closing
0: the door on Brislington. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, right now, Clevedon Town, we know that they've been doing um, they've been doing great things. Buckland Athletic, they've been having a difficult week with the um, um, with their manager um, leaving. Of course, we talked about that on last week's podcast. So how did this one play out, Tom?
1: Yeah, it went to the home side. I haven't done a complete, well... I'm, yeah, I haven't done a complete breakdown yet of of how sides have done since the turn of the year, but I would yeah posit that, uh, Clevedon are, are, are well potentially top of or near the top of the, the the form guide since since sort of the turn of the year, as I say, and uh, yeah that continued on the weekend another win, another uh, three points two nil win, winners uh, over over Buckland uh, and there's a fire double from Alex Cam and Glen Hare at the end of the first half, uh, helping them. Uh, see off Buckland. Uh, yeah, say so went two 0 up, and uh, yeah, managed to yeah see out the second half and uh, hold on for all three
0: points. Now something of a local derby in our next game. Kensham Town took on
1: near neighbours Bitten. Bitten have gone off the boil, and so it continued on uh, on Saturday. Tom. did a little bit, yeah. So um, yeah, Kensham up into tenth and uh, leapfrogging their opponents in, in the process. So uh, yeah, good afternoon for. The, for the K's there. Uh, they went ahead in the 20th minute. Jordan Metters scoring, uh, and then Will Hailston uh, having a tremendous season. Uh, yeah, he, he scored uh, midway through the second half to put them two up, and uh, another side keeping a, a clean sheet and holding on for, for the three points. Now we can't really move on to our next fixture game without talking
0: about Mouseley and Exmouth but on this day nothing happened it was <laughs> nil all um between the two sides vying for promotion um with Tavistock although one thing that we can mention is the fact that there's 348 mm. people there unsurprisingly um because you know it's a fantastic tussle going on at the top of the of the premier division at the moment and those you know those are two sort of beauty and the beast I think we could uh-huh. say now, everybody's now wondering which is which. Mm,
1: so am I. And I'm going to leave that <laughs> open
0: because I <laughs> still want to go to both of those grounds. <laughs> um, uh, right. <laughs> we'll move on to uh, our next feature match, which is Street. And the visitors were Helston Athletic. And I think it was the visitors who went home happy here, Tom.
1: Yeah, Cornish side uh, coming away with the three points. Uh, and a couple of goals from Stu Balker. He's been a little bit quiet. <laughs> I don't know if he's been missing some games recently or not. But, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was flying in the season. A bit of a bang on on the weekend, a couple of goals uh, against the Cobblers, and uh, yeah, helping Helston claim a two-nil win away at Street. Um, regular listeners will know that we normally
0: um, speak to clubs after they've they've had a win, because of course it helps to put the put the interview subject in a better mood. Um, but Street have not appeared on this um, on this season's episode of the podcast, and that was something that I've been very keen to put right. So we've managed to get hold of Katie Andrews. Uh, she is the co-chair of Street Football Club, and I started my interview with Katie by asking her to tell us a little bit about her role at the club.
3: I mean, I have a bit to do with everything, really, right across from the football side through to the clubhouse um it's very much a um a team effort so um our sort of small committee very hard working core of all voluntary run clubhouse etc so it's this it's a small group of people and we we sort of have an input on everything really so i think i've been quite instrumental in getting the hospitality side off the ground because um, I thought that was quite important it was, a, it was a link that was missing from the club I'm trying to get bridge this gap between um, the mini soccer through to the junior that's something that you know I, I really believe in sort of having those feeder age groups so we've introduced the 14s and the 16s and yeah so that's what I'm quite passionate about really So what made you first get involved with the club? and so a few seasons, about 3 seasons ago um my son cameron um moved over from bridport um to join Street. um so we just so my husband and i just went along just as a parent and sort of supporting capacity um after about sort of 4 months um, there was a manager vacancy and my husband stepped up and and took that and, and took that role on um, and over the sort of the course of the next year, I could kind of see where things were, I wouldn't say lacking within the club, but there was definitely um, opportunity to sort of to better the club. Um, and obviously you can only do that with manpower. And as I said, it was always run by a very small group of people and they can't do everything. So um, we didn't have a running kitchen. Um, so though we had the facilities, um so we had we had the first team players up there scrubbing the kitchen, you know, got it all passed with the council and then started started quite small, just opening on match days just as like a cafe. Um obviously COVID was a bit of a hindrance and it's that took a bit of a back step so we were having to it was all takeaway. Um but now we've we've really sort of full blown hit the hospitality. We do um monthly carveries we do steak nights we've just done a mother's afternoon tea um we do for the players for the first, we feed all the teams but with the first team we do a theme week so tonight for instance we're doing an italian pasta bar so i have different types of plain pasta and then all freshly made different sauces and then all toppings and then we always do a dessert like a dessert option so each you know we've had mexican week and barbecue week and and things like that so it's yeah, really sort of improve that area
0: so it sounds like the club is open on more than just match days you're sort of offering a bit of a facility for the wider community as well
3: yeah we really want to get um we really want to get the community involved we do and um, sort of Easter bingo for instance we've done kids we did a kids Halloween party kids Christmas party and we live in street is only I mean I'm personally from the Oval, so we so a bit further out but streets only a very small area and quite close you've got Glastonbury and Wales who have got um sort of decent football clubs and they've got a decent following, so you're kind of trying to compete to those for those sort of those people and I still think that the local area don't quite know what we've got to to offer but slowly and sh- but surely we are getting more and more people um come through our our roast dinners for instance they're a, they're packed to the to the brim it's a capacity thing every single month. Yeah, so it's just to keep on trying to think of new things to sort of entice people through. Like, we want it to be a family club. We've got a lot of children ourselves, and, you know, catering for all those families is really important.
0: From On the culinary side of things, I think you've got, I think it's pretty fair to say that you've got everything pretty much nailed down there. Um, uh, but on the, and we will, of course, talk about, you know, the the football side in a minute. But mm-hmm. I think you've got some other plans, haven't you, for activities going on um, at the club around the uh, around the Jubilee weekend?
3: Yeah, so what we're, um, it's in the pipeline, so it's not all set in stone yet, um, but what we'd like to do is reintroduce, um, starting just on a fun capacity, um, a five-a-side adults tournament um, open to over 16 men, women, you know, make your own team up, enter um, probably a cash prize um, and then have all stalls and fun and activities around the whole site. Um just sort of celebrate the jubilee but you know getting that community element into it and of course football's got to be in there somewhere um so it's something that we're working quite fast and furious on at the moment to try to get it out um, because obviously it's not too far away um but yeah that's quite um quite exciting Excellent
0: stuff. Now, um, just before we do sort of talk a bit about what's going on um, this season, I, 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 we don't get to speak to many women on the Toolstation Western League podcast. And I think that's largely because, of course, we you know I don't think it's much of a secret that non-league football, um, particularly you know we're talking about men's sort of eleven-a-side Saturday afternoon non-league football, is obviously going to be yeah. heavily m- male-dominated. Um, but I mean, I'm just interested as a as a you've explained your sort of your 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 route into it and obviously you know your son and your your husband are involved with the club but i mean what's been your experience of of being involved in the tool station western league i'm i'm i get a sense of enthusiasm from you katie and i I, i'm wondering whether perhaps you whether whether you'd be an advocate for seeing more women getting involved in our game
3: oh a hundred percent i mean you know Get, getting a ladies team started up starting up there is something that i really want to get off the ground um and we've got a fantastic um we've got actually got a fantastic group of ladies up there who are all very enthusiastic, enthusiastic about the football i've been i've been watching my son play in the western league since he was 16 and he did various football things before that um our other son now plays in the first team cuz our eldest is out with injury And then we've got one in the 14s and the 16s. And our youngest girl, who's 11, um, she plays in goal. She's not in a team at the moment, but I I really want to get her in there. Even maybe the refereeing side of it. I actually think it's a a very exciting league. You get some really good standard of football. I love going around to the different clubs. It's just something that, and I think I've just got a very competitive nature, which doesn't bode too well for me considering our place (laughs) in the league right now. (laughs) No, well, I mean,
0: I know it's been a difficult season, sort of on the pitch, you know. But when you look at your league position, but to be fair, there have been some high points, haven't there? I mean, you recently drew with Exmouth. You had a press, an impressive win away at Ilfracombe. So, you know, and and the team, I think it would be fair to say, haven't been out of games. Certainly, haven't been out of a lot of games. So, you know, it it, it it's a fine balance, isn't it? You know, you, you know, perhaps it's a season of what might have been for Street.
3: Yeah, I mean. <sighs> I do try to go to most of the away matches because, as you can appreciate at home, I'm so busy trying to sort out what's going on inside and for after the match, we don't get to see a lot. And we sort of hear the who's and ours and quickly kind of like dart out to see what's going on. But yeah, I mean, we've had some really lovely comments from other teams um, sort of saying, you know, actually, we didn't realise that that you can actually sort of compete because your position doesn't show that. And I, I just think that maybe with exception of maybe the the top couple of teams, all the rest of the table, there's not really a lot in between them. Um, you know, it's a goal here or there. Mm. Um, some our, We've made some silly mistakes and not taken advantage of things. We've also suffered a lot, as I know other teams have, with, with COVID, that's impacted us a lot. We've had a lot of injuries within the team. So each week, and and I think by far we've got, one of the, if not the youngest squads in the league, I'm, I'm pretty sure it must be one of the younger squads because of the development process. So a lot of these players are all getting their, you know, first taste of Western League football. And certainly, you know, they do us proud. They do really well.
0: Well, well I guess when you do have those you know, difficult afternoons on the pitch as co-chair, one of your most important jobs is really to take the manager to task after the game and ask some very probing and some very difficult questions. And of course if you don't like the answers then well, you know, I mean, you know, the, the you know the the the, the managerial trapdoor is only is only a few inches away.
3: Yeah, well, um I'm actually married to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> um and I have said I would quite happily sack him if he doesn't improve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, um, you've got two games coming up this week at the Tannery, um, Saltash and Bridport. Uh, and I'm sure that you'd really like to see some good crowds, um, you know, coming along and, 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 and getting behind the team for both of those games.
3: Yeah, I mean, as far as Saltash is concerned, I think obviously where we've seen um, this changeover to including the Cornish teams, um, which has been great. It's, lo- you know, it's lovely places to go down there. It puts a lot of pressure because it's such a distance. Especially midweek, um, it puts a lot of pressure on even just finances and players' time. As you know, you're, once you're talking about football in an afternoon, now when you're going sort of into the depths of Cornwall, you're talking about morning through to to night time, um, and you don't necessarily get those travelling fans. I know we don't necessarily take a lot of supporters with us when we go for those massive long trips. So that has a bit of a knock-on effect to you know the money that you're taking onto the gate, etc. Um, but Saltash, yeah, great, fantastic team. Really excited about that um, that match this evening. Bridport, Bridport is actually, as I said, a club close to my heart, and I know the position they're in at the league at the moment. And I would be heartbreak heartbroken for them to go down. Such a fantastic club, yeah. So, but still, I still want to beat them on Saturday. So I'm, um, yeah, that would be another good good match for us. An important one because we really do need to try to pick up some of those points.
0: And then looking ahead to next season, I mean, uh, have have you know have you sort of started thinking as a club about what your ambitions are for next season? I guess with you know you're talking about the young players, it's um, you know it'd be really interesting to see how those players sort of kick on after uh, you know after this season getting so much experience.
3: Yeah, well, we've got some really good um, good players who already do play in the South team um, from the under 18s Um, And then more so that are going into the resis. Um, And we've got a great, Steve Newton's great resis manager um, and Paddy Willis, and they're really bringing on um, the resis. And, you know, they bring them on so well, that then we take them into the first team and then they've (laughs) they've got a gap and have to fill it. But um, that's that's all part and parcel of it. But, yeah, we've got um, a great bunch of under-16s coming through. And our under-18s now that have been playing, we've had... um, um, Gabe Plant, um, my son Corey, uh, Finn Skiverton. Quite a few of those under-18s are now going to be in their second season next year. So hopefully, with that experience and a bit, you know a bit more growth and a bit more maturity, um, yeah, it's quite exciting. And hopefully, I think some of our key players, really, that we've lost through injury, hopefully they will be back. Um, if not at the start, well for pre-season, hopefully from the start of the the season. Um, and they will hopefully make a, a massive difference too.
0: And my thanks to Katie for her time. Now, um, one final game for us to talk about in the Premier Division, Tom, and it was Wellington against Cadbury Heath. And, um, well, Wellington certainly put the boot in.
1: <laughs> they absolutely did. Uh, Heath have been, yeah, doing well recently, haven't they? Um, but uh, the game stuck against the Wellington side have been without a win. In a long, long time. So this was a uh, yeah, a bit of respite for for the hosts in this one. A 3-1 win uh, over Wellington. Uh, Sam Towler uh, putting them ahead after 22 minutes. Uh, before the, the the away side uh, levelled things. Matt Huxley, another one who's uh, yeah, banging form. He volleyed home uh, midway through the second half to, to make it one apiece. And uh, yeah, he probably yeah feared that Wellington were yeah going to come unstuck again, but uh, not to be. And they yeah, they hit back pretty pretty much instantly. Jake Quick restoring their advantage. Uh, putting them two-one up with about twenty minutes left on the clock, uh, and then it was Jordan Casey who settled nerves late on, and uh, yeah, confirmed the destination of the three points. So a good win for Wellington over Cadbury Heath.
4: If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, Dewalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah. They do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you.
0: Now we take a look at matters in the First Division and we're going to kick off with Almondsbury against Warminster and um, Warminster continue their promotion push.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a pretty pretty comfortable afternoon for them, I think. All, all things considered, uh, a three-nil victory uh, away at Almondsbury. A couple of goals from Seth Wayne, one in either half for him, uh, and then also a header from Aaron Cockrell. Uh, so uh, yeah, good good win uh, over a young young Almondsbury side. I think there's quite a lot of uh, yeah, they sort of uh, young, as I say, youthful players uh, getting a bit of experience towards the end of the season for for numerous reasons. So uh, yeah. A potentially tough afternoon for them, but but good to see that they're in, investing in that side of the the club. And uh, yeah, but a, a good win for for Warmington nonetheless. Our next match is
0: between Bristol Telephones and um, Lebec United, and uh, well, Lebeck failed to hang up the
1: phone. Mm-hmm, they absolutely did. I'm going to leave the phone phone jokes to yourself. I think you're better at these uh, puns than I am. But uh, yeah, a two-one win for. Uh, for Bristol Telephones over Leveck, uh, Joe McLeod, uh, I think he was uh, given given man the match on on uh, social media. He was among the goal scorers for them, and uh, yeah, much much needed three points for the phones.
0: Bristol Telephones are another side that we hadn't featured on the podcast this season, and uh, that was something that I wanted to put um, I wanted to put right. So I'm delighted um, to have spoken to the manager Will Osborne. We started off by reflecting on that that win at the weekend.
4: Yeah, sort of last 10 minutes were a little bit on the nervy side, should we say. Uh, We were in control for large parts of the game, went 1-0 up, 2-0 up. You let in a sloppy goal, really. And you sort of, we still were probably the better side for 10 minutes. And then we seemed to just drop off the pace slightly. And of course, you're always going to hang on for three points, especially in the position we're in. But I thought the lads managed the game well. They stuck it out and they picked up the three points
0: obviously the three points are important but also the fact that they were able to stick out and and you know and get that win I mean it it, that was your first win for a while wasn't it so I mean I suppose you know they talk about winning being a habit were you worried that your side had sort of got into bad habits Uh,
4: not so much bad habits Um, mistakes yes Um, they happen at this level of football but obviously we've We've, re- we've completely rebuilt a side since January and, and it was always going to be a case of players need to learn to play together, they need to become a team, than individuals and slowly it's been coming together. Performances haven't been bad, sometimes luck hasn't gone our way. I mean, that's football, uh, that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's more a case of we've been pushing in the right direction, it was just a matter of time.
0: Because you've played some of the top sides. Um haven't you i mean that and that can't of that can't have helped necessarily I mean, but when you look at the likes of welton Warminster, Wincanton, and sherborne you've come across you've come up against all of those um since the turn uh of, of the year i mean um moving away from Bristol telephones for a while, I mean which one of those signs have impressed you the most
4: um I mean Sherborne, we were one the left at Sherborne, and I thought we'd give a good account of ourselves but the stick to how they play. They're a good side. They know how they play and they're very good at what they do. And they did put us to the sword. The last 45 minutes down there, they did put us to the sword. And, and our lads walked off disappointed. And as much as obviously it would have been nice to take Zank out of the game, or you sort of have to reflect sometimes and go, do you know what? That's a very good side you've played there today. And they are a good side.
0: I mean, what about the others though? What about um, w- Welton, uh, Warminster, and, and Wincanton? Have you seen anything? In those performances, that have given you any insight into how those sides might finish the season? Obviously, in the all of them in the hunt for the promotion playoffs.
4: Yeah, I think it'd be a, I think it be a close race. Um, obviously, a lot of few of them have got to play each other yet, and that's sort of where it sort of will unfold. If anything, I think Walton have got to play Warminster and Sherbourne yet. Wincanton are a good, strong side. I can't see them losing really between now and the end of the year. Providing they stick to what they do, they they will they'll see the this, this season out strong. Warminster are a good side, but again, we took Warminster all the way. We took Warminster all the way and there was a YouTube video after and there's their bloke that does that. I think we were were good that day. We passed up a lot of opportunities to score goals and we sort of hung out until, again, a silly mistake on sort of 70th minute and then they, again, time told in the 93rd and 97th minute, they scored again, which gives a reflection of a game that necessarily isn't the case. I think Sherborne. I think Sherborne are winning. I really do, and I, I can't see Wincanton win, losing either. With regards to the other two, it depends on what happens when they play each other. They both they've got to play each other, and that's a big three points in amongst a, a title race like that. A big three points.
0: In that difficult run of results, you've had quite a lot of away games. Uh, do you think that's been a factor? Do you think you know? Were, were you pleased to be get to get back to playing at home on Saturday?
4: Yeah, I mean the travels sometimes can affect things I mean we've had a bit of bad luck we've had a couple of bad injuries along the way we've lost players for big periods of time obviously as a a sort of a new manager as well I've got to learn how to deal with that and I've got to manage players fitness I just can't I can't recall putting the same 11 out twice on the trot yet which obviously is always a big factor when you're you're sort of down that end of the table you want to keep consistency but yeah the away games did come thick and fast Sometimes that can go for you, though. You you go into games not expecting to win. There's no expectations on your shoulders. I quite like that. I like being the underdog, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, Obviously, each individual player is different with regards to that, though.
0: I mean, you talked about luck earlier in the interview, and I, I think that that was... I saw your performance against Bishop Sutton. I was at that game. And um, th- there were times in that match where I thought we could still be there now, and nobody would have scored, because it felt like it was going to be one of those days. But Sutton did manage to get a goal, and in the end, obviously went on to-, to win the match. And I guess that must be one of the frustrating things for you, you know, when you're playing teams like Welton and Warminster, Wincanton and Sherborne. The expectation's always going to be that you're the underdog, but when you're playing those teams, you know, where you where you do fancy your chances, and the luck doesn't go away, you know, it can be frustrating.
4: Yeah, it's frustrating, um, but you always got to sit back and analyse the game. Like you said, the Bishop Sutton game, I, I, I thought a 0-0 would have been a fair result all round. I mean, their striker himself a penalty, which is fair play to him when you look back on it. He's used his frame, he's used his experience. It gives them the 1-0 lead. We then send the goalkeeper up to try and just nick something in the last dying embers of the game. And they counter-attack and get the seconds, which obviously gives it a better outlook for them on the game as well. But... We're not out of games. We're not we're not getting sort of swiped away by teams and and sort of like we're not we're not giving a bad account of ourselves. And that's the most most frustrating thing is we're hanging games for so long. We just haven't seemed to quite get the last little bit right.
0: Well, you've got five games left. So what are your targets for the team for the rest of the season?
4: Um, I just want to see a togetherness, a, a bit of fight about them. I want to see them sort of going out into each individual game, looking to do the best they can. Personally, on a personal note, I'd like to see two wins out of the last five. I mean, other than that, it, it would just be nice to see my players play with a smile on their face and, and enjoy themselves. They've worked hard to get this far. Um, We've sort of got a bit more of a settled squad now, a few injuries back. It'd be nice to just see them gel together and sort of progress as a team.
0: Now, this is your first. Um, managerial appointments and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute but I mean what about the longer term ambitions for the club what do you what do you want to you know what do you want to achieve during your time with Bristol Telephones?
4: Um, I'd like to see Bristol Telephones in the top five of Division one at very minimum challenging at the top end of the table Um, I mean from where I've always been I I'm always going to have a biased opinion because I've been around the club like you said beforehand but I think I think it's a little bit of a sleeping giant there. The chairman wants to do as much as he can. He wants the club to go forward. When you've got a back end of the back room staff, it's always going to be an easier option. It's it's just a case of putting the jigsaw pieces together, shall we say. From both myself, from the players, from the chairman. It's a jigsaw that we're trying to work out. But we want to see Bristol Telephones bare minimum top six of that side. I'd like to be a top five side.
0: Um, now, you come up against Devizes Town on Saturday. We've been we talking do. about how difficult you've found things um, this season. I think it would be fair to say that the Devizes have been finding them equally as difficult. But, I mean, that's not a game that you can afford to take for granted, is it?
4: Oh, definitely not. I mean, you look at Devizes, the they drew with Bishop Sutton. They drew with Oldland on Saturday, scoring three goals. Well, I don't think in this league you can look at a league position any team's capable of beating any other team on their day and I know for well if we're not at the races the voices will take the free points from us
0: now one final question for you and this is a question I ask everybody the first all the managers the first time I speak to them on the podcast but um, it's been great to speak to you Will but can you tell us a little bit about your footballing journey to the telephones dugout and I'm, I'm wondering whether actually where you're from whether we rather than calling it a dugout do we call it a telephone box
4: call it what you will. I mean, it's been called a lot of things. Um, I started playing for Bristol Telephones at 15, when they had a third team. Um, My father was part of the club, and so I naturally followed and and started playing for them when I left school. From there, I did sort of disappear and went and played a bit of Western League football with a few other sides. I then came back. The manager was still the manager at the time. Um, He asked me to come back in the Kanky League uh, the year we won it. And he, he put a side together that, to be honest, is probably one of the best teams I've ever played in. There's some good good players and good people in that side. I then played for the club for two further seasons after that, in the Western League. I then sort of moved on, went to a couple of other places, Roald or Bishop Sutton, places like that. Um, I mean, I've known the chairman a long time anyway, and the old manager vacated his position. And he sort of rang me and said, look, you know the club, you know what we're about what are you thinking? And it was a bit of a head and heart moment for me. Obviously, I'm not an older person, so my head was saying to me, just keep playing football, play for as long as you can. It doesn't matter. But my heart's always telling me that the club will always be in my heart, and if I can help it out, I should. Um, I spoke to my family, took me about five days, and I rang them back and said, okay, let's go for it. A bit of experience in with me, and... As we say, the rest is history. We're here tonight.
0: And my thanks to Will for his time. Uh, now, the game that I was at, Tom, mm-hmm. six goals, a six-goal thriller, a game of two halves uh-huh. between Devizes Town and Oldland Abertonians.
1: I was going to say, if I'd have, uh, yeah, seen you at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon, I'm not sure you'd been in the best of moods, but come five o'clock, uh, I think that might have changed a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Devizes... Uh, coming from three down at the break to draw three all with Oldland, so yeah, fantastic comeback from from the bottom side. Uh, Jacob Reader scoring twice and also a goal from Owen McCallum, uh, putting the Abbots into a um, yeah three goal lead at the interval and uh, looking like uh, looking like they were probably gonna well storm home to take all three points. But uh, Deviser's had a variety, of, didn't they? Uh, Jack Smith uh, coming on as a sub, he made a yeah good impact for the side, uh, scoring twice, uh, setting up a pretty tense finish and uh, yeah the uh, yeah. The hosts, as, as as you no doubt uh, will 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 be able to relay, have managed to find find the uh, find the late equaliser, George Bettles, uh, and uh, yeah, get, grabbing a share of the spoils. So great afternoon for for devisers. All six goals scored at one end of the mm. ground. I hope you were at that end. I wasn't. I was at the other
0: end. In fact, actually, let me be. Te- I'm going to be more technical about this. Go I got there before kick off. Rarely, I, hate- I really, I'd managed to get to the games before kick off, but that's for a variety of reasons. We don't sure, need to sure, go sure. into. I took up my position in the stand and I was very, you know, I was in a very good, it was a beautiful day. I was in a very good mood. You know, I was yep. feeling optimistic about our chances against Oldland. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that I actually went off to get myself some chips from mm-hmm. our excellent tea hut. And um, I got a feeling that it was at that particular moment in time that Oldland scored their first goal. Because I had absolutely no idea at all that the goal had gone in so as half time approached I thought well I'm going to go and beat the rush I'm going to go over to the clubhouse I'm going to get myself a drink at the bar I went in had a very nice chat with the people who run the bar and they asked the you know, the obvious question is it still nil all yes I say only for a bloke in the bar to turn around and say no it's not we're one nil down mm-hmm. I'm thinking well when did this goal get scored have you only just got here? He said, no, I've been sat in the stand for the entire first half and I've clearly missed the most important incident of the entire game. I then go outside to watch the last five minutes of the first half to then watch us concede two more goals. Yeah. And I'm now thinking I need to go home because this is turning into a car crash. Anyway, having given up hope, um, of course, you know, we 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 have the raising of Lazarus in the second half, <laughs> and um, all of those. I was having a nice chat with the, um, you know, with one of the one well, one of the former managers down there. We've had him on the podcast, and uh, yeah, yeah, they proceeded to score three goals, had chances to win the game, and uh, everyone went home happy. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a worry for me because, of course, having missed things, you know, it doesn't augur well for my commentary at the weekend. You know, because frankly, we could be sat there talking about a game that's nil all at half time and actually three <laughs> have gone in. But, you know, what can you do? Um, a good time was had by all. Anyway, that's enough about that's enough about my Saturday. It devises. Let's move on to odd down Saturday at Titherington Rocks. Four goals in this game and uh, a comprehensive performance by the home side, Tom.
1: Yeah, it's another well, another comeback. Uh, not 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 similar to the game you were at, but uh, yeah, Tiverington coming back to win, win three-one. Uh, Down making a pretty good start and uh, yeah, got got the rewards early on. Uh, going ahead in the tenth minute from uh, from long 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 range by uh, Curtis Dunn scoring that one. I think it was all of about forty yards or so. So that was a, a good start for the visitors. But uh, yeah, the Rocks came back. Um, that seemed to fire them up the early early deficit they faced. And uh, yeah, um, ran, running out winners pretty comfortably in the end, I'd say. Lawrence Lefebvre scoring twice and uh, a further goal from Perrin Blundell. And, uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. there he is. <laughs> there you That's go. the Head name. There. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the Rocks who, uh, yeah, come out with the, 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 the points. And one final game
0: for us to talk about on the podcast this week, Wincanton Town against Tengrove Athletic. And I think we can safely say that Wincanton were very much at the races.
1: Yeah, they were, and uh, yeah, they have been for, yeah, the majority of the the year, haven't they? Uh, a four-nil triumph for them over Hengrove, um, and uh, yeah, one memorable um, afternoon for them for for a well, one main reason that was Dan Wise, their uh, uh, their their main man, 700 first-team appearance, not f- not just for for Canton, but of his ah uh, his uh, his career uh, since joining the club, I think six or so years ago. Um, I think he's, well, I think I read that he he played or started and every league match. So yeah, uh, yeah, a bit of an iron man and yeah, of course he opened the scoring on Saturday. Um, And uh, yeah, that was a a brilliant afternoon for the Wasps and uh, started off by wise. Uh, And uh, yeah, bit of a, bit of a fan favorite and then further goals from Matt Garner, Louis Owen and Connor Williams, uh, a 4-0 win. And uh, yeah, they continue to, to put pressure on the top three. Absolutely. What a, what a promotion race that's
0: turning out to be, particularly with those playoffs. And yeah, I mean, huge credit to Dan Wise. That really is a, you know, it's a it's a fantastic um, achievement. And um, I know he's such an important part of that football club. We've been lucky enough. Oh, I've been lucky enough to speak to him on the podcast. And, um, yeah, cracking chap. And, um, um, you know, what an achievement that is. Um, right then. And before we uh, look at our leading hot shots, we will have a look at the fixtures coming up on Saturday, the second of April. Which game has caught your eye in the Premier Division,
1: Tom? I'm going to be a bit sneaky here. I'm going to I'm going to march ahead and take the uh, Friday night fixture. In fact, just no- just noted that myself. I must admit, we we're looking through the fixtures, and uh, yeah, there's a bit of Friday night footy. Uh, Tavistock, one of the uh, the title chasers, they're hosting Saltash, uh, and uh, yeah. It's not out of the question that Soltash could, could catch the top three if they uh, they slip up a little bit. So this is a yeah, bit of a mega game, isn't it? 7.45, hopefully get a massive crowd down there. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably the... Also, the if that was a Saturday afternoon game, it would be the pick of the ties. And the fact that it's happening on Friday, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to plug for that one. I'm really pleased you did, actually, because that gives me an opportunity to do a little bit of
0: plug. That, da- that game is being played on Friday the 1st of April. It's April Fool's Day. It must be. Now... We've had over the years we've had some absolutely fantastic um, April Fools' um, jokes that have been played. I have to I have to say that Radstock Town um, are probably um, our league leaders in terms of this. They've. Um, um, they've had all sorts of weird and wonderful um, April Fools, including, I think, changing their pitch colours to red and black. <laughs> um, so um, it would be very interesting to see what Bradstock come up with. But I'd like to see what all of our clubs come up with. So if you're um, um, involved in sort of media and communications with any of the Toolstation Western League clubs and you're planning a um, an April Fool, please tag the league in um, because um, it's always great to promote those and, and see what creative ideas... You're uh, you're coming up with so there you go excellent choice Tom I am going to go for Helston Athletic against um, uh, Exmouth Town that's on Saturday the second of April I think that's going to be an absolute corker of course Exmouth had uh, had a chance to uh, get an advantage over Mousel. that game was a nil all draw they can't really afford another draw but. You know, before this game is played, I think under any other circumstances, um, Kev Hill would probably have taken it because Helston will not be an easy place to go. Helston will want to give away nothing to Exmouth Town. Exmouth need three points to continue their promotion push. Of course, Helston handily placed towards the top of the table as well. So I think this is going to be an absolute belter. Um, That's where um, that's where my interest in the Premier Division is going. And uh, moving down to the First Division, Tom, what game catches
1: your eye there? Going for Hengrove uh, against Welton. Uh, obviously Hengrove given a little bit of a, uh, a stern beating on the weekend so they will want to hit back and they're hosting uh, Welton who yeah snuck uh, snuck another three points uh, to their tally on the weekend and uh, yeah still very much in in the title race uh, in the in the first so uh, yeah tough afternoon for them and uh, yeah be interesting to see how Hengrove get on that one. And I can't look
0: away from the game that I will be at. Um I will be at Odd Down for match day live too. Um, Regular listeners to the podcast will remember that we, we, we did a, we recently did a a broadcast from Canesham against Bridgewater. Well, this will be our second match day live um, this season. Uh, I will be at odd down against Sherbourne town. Of course, Sherbourne town leading the division odd down going very well in, um, in sixth odd down have kindly agreed um, to put on a real charity bonanza day for bath mind. Of course, People will will, will remember the the, the collections that we've been doing for Bath Mind, the the changing room posters um, that we've had created, the match day programme adverts and other materials that we've circulated around our our clubs in Bath and North East Somerset. And um, Odd Down are putting the icing and the cherry on that particular cake. They're the last team that we visit. And I will be doing a commentary. I will be joined there by Ray Johnson. Now, of course, Ray Johnson won the Tool Station Western League Premier Division as manager of Odd Down, so it's a bit of a a homecoming for him. James Healy's going to be there as well. You're going to hear all of the action, every kick, every goal um, from from Odd Down against um, Sherbourne Town, plus updates from across the rest of the league, and I'm sure we're going to try and squeeze in a few more interviews as well. So I really hope you enjoy our second uh, Match Day live broadcast, but that's the game that I will be at uh, on Saturday, the 2nd of April. Now, Tom, um, we won't sign off on this episode of the podcast without giving you an opportunity to um, shine a light on our leading goal
1: scorers. So who are the top of the pops? Hey, a little bit of movement this week. Uh, So if we start in the Prem, we've got Liam Prynne of Tavistock just about standing out in front. He's got 30 league goals. Uh, Jack Taylor, uh, hot uh, hot hot on his case, though. 29 for him now in the league for Bridgewater. Uh, we then got Jordan Harris of Exmouth on 26, and Will Haleston, who scored again on uh, the weekend for Kenton. He's on 21, uh, and then in the first, uh, Luke Bryan of Odddown. uh Maybe maybe we'll uh, give you more to, to to report on on the weekend. Uh, he's got 31 uh, league goals and he's tops the uh, tops the charts in the first division. Uh, you then got Oakland Buck of Bishop's St on 28, Adam Wright of Wales on 27, and Alex Murphy, another player who might be playing on Saturday afternoon in front of your very eyes, uh, Sherborne's uh, finest. He's got 23. Uh, and then in all comps, it is Prin and Taylor now locked at the top on 36, uh, Brian on 31, Helston 29, and Buck and Harris both on 28. So that's how things stand uh, as we uh, head into
0: April. Excellent stuff. Now, one last bit of housekeeping before we move on to your excellent bulletin, Tom, is the photo competition. Um, Toolstation Station Western League, photograph of the season. And um, I'm really pleased that we're able to bring this back because obviously the last couple of seasons we haven't awarded it. Our last winner was John Newport, of course. He's um, the matchday photographer at... um at uh radstock town and it'll be interesting to see what uh what pictures john puts in and and of course a host of our photographers so if you're a match day photographer or you know your club's match day photographer then this section of the podcast is very 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 much for you there are some rules would you believe it listeners that i have to take you through so please note the following before sending in your five best pictures for judging the photographs that you send in must be currently displayed on the league's gallery now that means that if you've done it in the past you've taken a nice picture but it isn't on the league's gallery don't worry you've still got a couple of weeks until sunday the 17th of april to take pictures and send them in to the league's gallery if you go onto the league's website there's plenty of contact details there just in case you don't know who to contact but please send those in because they won't be judged if they're not in the gallery the other rule is that the ph- the, the photographs must be of a tool station western league match or a les phillips cup game what we need for each of your photographs is the date of the match the names of the two teams and whether it was a league or a cup game please email your entries to james j-a-m-e-s dot healy h-e-a-l-e-y at toolstationleague.com and remember that the the entries need to be with us by month uh, by midday on sunday the 17th of april we've had so many new people Um, sending in photographs which have appeared in the bulletin uh, and on our website. It's fantastic that people are taking pictures. Some of the pictures that are taken at our games are absolutely wonderful and they deserve to be recognised in our photograph of the season competition. So I really, really hope um that um that all of our clubs embrace this all of our photographers embrace this and and send in copies of their best work uh, now photographs tom of course something that you cover in the bulletin every week it's an excellent bulletin we've been talking about it on this week's episode of the podcast where can the listeners find it
1: yeah that's on the uh tour station league website uh, it's about halfway down the homepage, and you click on that and uh, yeah find all the the latest news and whatnot uh Results, fixtures, as you said, yeah, updates on on things like the photo competition, and uh, yeah, that comes out every week. Excellent, Tom. Thank you very much um, for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you on next
0: week's Tool Station Western League podcast.